This is Coda Radio, episode 176 for October 26, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This show is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host who's charged up, probably, I'm guessing on caffeine, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. No, sir. I had to cut caffeine out. Really? Because of the heart? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do you what do you use to uh, give you a little extra boost? Well, I use feel-good movies. And, it, and Chris, have we ever done a movie recommendation on the air before? I don't think so, no. Can I recommend something for you and the whole family? Yeah, I would actually. love the psychological insight into this, actually. <laughs> Gem and the hologram. Oh, that's right. Yes, Gem and the hologram. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, Fantastic. Gem. I don't even, I've never even heard of this. I've never even Gem and the hologram. What the? Cartoon, if you remember. And, uh, oh, and the holograms, I believe, with an S. Yes, yep. Is this actually playing in, in theaters? Absolutely. I saw it opening night, which was like last Thursday. So you're giving me like an in-theater movie recommendation right now. Uh, this, right. I've never, this is, this, is, this is brand new on the Coda Radio program. I hate the movies. I hate going to see movies. We are breaking, we are breaking new ground. All right, well, so there you go. Gem and the holograms. Jeez, it tells you. It's got a 20% on Rotten Tomato and a 44% on Metacritic. You know, it's like uh, many of those famous artists that are not appreciated in their time, but it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, whoo. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah, good morning. The chat room is, uh, have you noticed this morning the chat room is really tired and, and, and quiet? Yeah, they seem to be a little out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, the other thing is, is it's, it's like, uh, I think it's, I think from time to time, when we start, like, right on the nose, I think it throws them off. Because well, people, I'm usually, like, 10, 20 minutes Yeah, late. people trickle in. People trickle in, and then they're like, oh, yeah, right, okay, shoot. They started on time. It's like it th- we throw them. We throw them. Like, I just got a message from Ange right now asking me about a scheduling thing in November. Like, she's, she even throws her off that we've started the show already. See? See, she's surprised. She's sending me, she's asking me calendar questions right now on the air. You know, and she figures, I... Yeah. yeah, and I was even on the phone before the show started, which is usually a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, usually it's a recipe for being late. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I had a whole playlist all queued up, but uh, instead, instead, I was going to get a little playtime in with my uh, Steam controller. You know, I got the Steam. I, I'm not going to talk about it too much about. It. You know, I got the Steam controller. Oh, what what an excellent way to spend money. Oh, no, it was actually. You know what? Money wise, the Steam controller forty bucks. Forty bucks for the Steam controller, or I'm sorry, fifty bucks, forty nine ninety nine. Uh, for a really nice, sturdy, really well-built controller. It's new, though. It's early days. Mm, early but, adaption. Yeah, but it's, well, you know, I had to try it. You know, I had to try it. All right. Well, Mr. Dominic, so we have quite a smattering of topics today to get into. Uh, you know, I, I was just telling the uh, the chat room, who was actually chatting more before we started the show, uh, strangely enough. I was just telling the chat room that uh, I got a push notification, the kind that I love this morning. I got one of those push notifications that says, Mr. Michael Dominic has created a doc, which means you're thinking on something. As I'm driving into work today, I go, oh, boy, he's thinking on something. We're going to have quite the show. 
So uh, I love the start where you say thin design or branded. And, you know, actually, mm. I was going in a different direction, and then I realized you're talking about something else completely different. So thin design or branded. Open my mind up, Mr. Dominic. I'm just curious what you think I was thinking about. But, yeah, so, you know, I like material in iOS 7 design because I'm, you know, a little minimalist there. I've got, you know, sitting in a white room with no curtains and just a little bit of bezel. You're, so you're, you are talking about the actual, like, uh, hardware thing? No, no, I'm talking about oh. software design. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, because we... I've been spitballing a bunch of like app ideas, doing prototypes, things like that, and it keeps coming down to well, I could just do this kind of with you know the the Android five or the iOS seven, and I know you know six and nine are out style widgets, right? Because the design hasn't changed much in, since seven to nine and mm-hmm. five to six, mm-hmm. you know, or I can really brand it, right? Like give it its own look and feel. Yeah, its own real like sort of uh, uh, note, like. Uh, um, so one of the things is also it also makes it really easy then to move that between platforms, not to right. So like a great example, we keep talking about podcast apps, right? Like Overcast, just like a great case study in this. Overcast is basically iOS seven widgets with color skinning, right? Yeah, yep, pretty minimal. I mean, make them orange, you're good to go. There's a few custom button images, but not a lot there. While Pocket Cast is a little more designed. Yeah, absolutely. And Pocket Cast looks like the Pocket Cast app on Android and on iOS. On every platform, yeah. with, with the weird exception of Windows Phone. But I don't even think they support that anymore. Yeah, yeah. That, that I've never actually used it there. But on Android and iOS, it's really identical. And it's nice that way. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I wonder what... Like, I could see the... You know, obviously, there, there's a whole aspect of maybe I could get away without hiring a designer if I just do this kind of you know, Android Studio widget style, right? Yeah, the very, uh, the very sort of uh, generic. By the book, right? Yeah. By mm-hmm. book material mm-hmm. design. But if you ever want to go cross-platform, it does kind of become harder. Well, it kind of limits, yeah. And, and also, um, I, uh, I think the other thing it does, and this is kind of the unfortunate thing, is I wouldn't, I'm not here to say that the... Uh, so the iOS 8 and 9 look is more um, understated than material design is. Material design has a very clear... A little more pop, yeah. I think it has a clear Google branding sort of weaved into it. Um, I think, it's, I think uh, material design, in a way, is Google branded. It, is, it represents Google. And um, so there is sort of a look that comes with that. And I'm not actually convinced that uh, material design is... Super great. I don't think it's all that bad, but I feel like it kind of comes across um, as maybe a little overhyped. And so the problem is, is yeah, it solves some of your problems, but then it locks you into something that I think is going to look really dated in about, well, even another year or so. Well, there's a whole like right the whole Fisher Price design kind of aspect of material, um, and frankly, iOS seven design. Well, all the bright colors and yeah, there's that. And you know, for me, and I, I linked to an article in the uh, show notes. Uh, over on uh, user experience stack exchange and uh, where the where there's a pretty good conversation going on about what are some of the disadvantages of material design and uh, uh, one of them that I kind of tend to agree with is the animations uh, are there another okay now some of this stuff is on again more nitpicky than other things so this is on the nitpicky side 
their animations, they always suck. They don't look quite right. You can see the frame get cut off in the button. It's like, why doesn't it just completely go out of the button? Why does it? Why does the animation get cut off? And why am I seeing the borders of the animation on the button itself? And it's over. It's overdone. It's distracting. If you're looking at the video version right now, it's flashing too much. That's that's too much to watch. Uh, a couple of other things that really bother me, and you'll notice this in uh, like the calendar app where you're trying to set a reminder or label mm. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't tell. It's you're really unable to discern between interactive elements in a list. So you can't tell if you can tap on the label or the date. You just kind of have to tap it. There's no there's no kind of user cue about what's touchable. Now, not a big deal, but it is a real kind of pain in the butt when you're really in a go mode or somebody's, you're walking and talking or, God forbid, you're driving and trying to look at your phone, something really stupid like that. It becomes a, it becomes a real usability uh, a nightmare. And then last but not least, and this is not a huge deal because you could blame other things for this too, but there is a lot of animations. Um, that uh, come with material design. And some of them are quite nice, but some of them I still feel like I fail to see 30 frames per second all the time. Mm. And it almost, in a way, it's funny because it almost, it almost accentuates one of the limitations of the platform because also not everybody's out there with a Snapdragon processor, you know, 800 series or greater, right? There's a lot of people out there with some really old Android devices now running these material apps. And those animations well, are a drain on their battery. They, they're, sometimes they're going at 15, 20 frames per second, best case. If, it just it looks, looks horrible when you see them. Like yeah, if you see yeah. one of it's like um, you go get somebody that has like an S three and have them use oh, the even, Google Plus app. Even a Moto G, like oh yeah, you know yeah, just watch it chug. I mean, one other aspect of this that I'm considering is you know on my snappy little Nexus five, right? Which is still kind of old, but you know it's nice, right? If I ever get the Nexus P, the Nexus six P rather, it's going to look super correct. A material designed app, a material yeah. designed icon. Yeah, but how about like the vast majority of people who are running 4.4. Yeah. You're, you're the exception, and I, and I know this is going to be a little flamey, but, you know, yeah. no, that, that's when, sort I, of when I go into the Play Store, there are more non-modern Android apps, non-material Android apps, whatever term we prefer, yeah. than there are just they're definitely. Up. I didn't really take off as much as I expected it to. There's, it there's, really didn't. Like, like, Apple flipped the seven flat-designed switch, and everybody was like, yes, sir. Yeah. On Android, it was like, yeah, but our stuff still compiles and works. So. I think I think one of the reasons it didn't take off, perhaps, is because of some of these performance issues on these lower devices, but also because people already went down a course of investing in their own branded <laughs> in their own branded design. So that's what I was going to get at. Is it? Are you almost giving up your branding to Google at that point, or is that too harsh? Well, couldn't you say the same thing about uh, any any you know? Win- I mean, look at Windows Windows apps, right? All right, or, but look at the miserable failure that was. Or I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm just if, saying, if, if you want to take this, you know, just to uh, just to stop talking about the proprietary systems for a second, let's take this to uh, the Linux desktop. Is that some sort of like uh, support group you go to? <laughs> Let you know if you make a really nice, uh, you know, traditional GTK desktop app now with. Uh, you know, exactly. with client side decorations and all that, it's very generic looking. You look at the pictures yeah. app, you look at the maps app, you look at all this stuff. Now it's very, very generic. It's all going towards this one simple generic look. Well, that's that, that's the whole Mac problem, right? Um, you know, most Mac apps look like standard Mac apps, right? <sighs> yeah, I mean, you got a you got a silver bar on top, and yeah, but you know, you know in practice. I don't know if that really is true. I mean, all of the Apple apps look the same, but 
I mean, you know, one I mean, of the, maybe, one yeah, of the I mean, things I, that jumps out at me, the reason why I say that is one of the things that jumps out at me is honestly to me, OS X looks like a bit of it like a jumbled mess. First of all, the icons, I cannot believe it. I'm just, just for a second. I can't believe how old the icons look on OS X. Seriously, this is not the year 2000 anymore. I mean, I get it. And then also, and I realize they were even updated semi-recently. And then second of all, I, I'm looking right now at one of the mach- Dude, I wish I could show you a picture. I, I, I am looking at this Mac here that is running for some of the production stuff and not a single frickin' window looks the same. And I'll tell you what windows are open. There's a text edit window open over there. Okay, there is a, a soundboard window open. Hello, everybody. Over there. And then there's some interface controls for the mixer, all of which are skeuomorphic. Like, they even have scratches in the metal skeuomorphic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I have a, a QT-based uh, IRC client, which is is really just a jumble of a mess under OS ten, And it doesn't, I mean, it is really a hodgepodge over here. It is a it is a dramatic hodgepodge. Well, it's a mess, right? Because initially Mac design, you know, modern Mac design was very metallic, right? You mm-hmm. had that. And then we fell in love with leather, more leather. And, and then and then I have next to it, I have a GNOME 3 desktop that honestly looks very streamlined. Everything, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, there is a here. So here's there's the uh, there's the I have the and I have the file manager here and everything. Here's the terminal app. These all go together. All of these windows I mean, honestly, I think what's the reason why it jumps out at me is it's something we harped on Linux for so long, and and in some ways the 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 major proprietary platforms now are the largest offenders at it. Look at Android; it is the hugest offender of this. Windows itself, Windows as a default, Windows Ten as a default platform ships with like three different interfaces. You have the uh, modern UI, which are now in windowed mode. You have the classic Windows mm-hmm. interfaces. Anything you jump down into and you're doing like Control Panel. Stuff like you know deep system settings, or like you're going into the MMC and you're you're doing anything like that, right? You have that kind of traditional Windows uh, GDI type interface, and then now you have PowerShell too. Right? So the system ships. Oh, and then also there's this weird in between UI, like for the new control panel, which is like an overlay on top of the old control panel, which is kind of touch but kind of not. And it is so there is these like almost four different types of UIs that ship with Windows 10. The Mac OS 10 itself ships with a whole jumble different mess of UIs. All right. And, so, so are you suggesting then that developers should just conform to the UI guide and go with it? No, I'm saying it's never going to happen because in all of the different platforms, it's still never happening. Even on even the only platform I could ever see this being maybe successful is really is on well the watch. Well, because less choices. Equals yeah, yeah, less. and and maybe like the set top box, but on the phone, I think it's too late. I think that ship sailed, and I think, and also, also, uh, I mean, what if? What if you, I mean, I, man, I should show you this app. Um, if you want to look it up, you can. It's the Apollo console. And uh, they have, like, different racks that you snap into it if you guys want to. It's the Universal Apollo, Universal uh, Audio. And you look at the different consoles, and those are all different windows on the Mac desktop. And they're all different. Like, they've literally gone and recreated these old classic pieces of audio equipment because that's what it emulates. And... Uh, it's it's a it's a jumbled mess. It looks so inconsistent, and also they've they take they've taken literally like knobs, and and they they've, they I have to turn knobs like it's it's really something. I should really take a picture of this for you, I suppose. But uh, anyways, my you know I will. I'll take a picture of it. and I'll put it in the show notes because it's it's so ridiculous that I, I do kind of have to show it to you. Um, my point is is even on these platforms, the most controlled platforms, it never happened. All right, but don't you like? You download an Android app and you see one that's not yet material, and aren't you a little like, uh I've never thought that. Th- I've never thought that though about Pocket Cast. Real, well, Pocket. See that—that's my point, and that, that's kind of the question I'm posing here. 
is because Pocket Cast has developed its own design language, right? Its own brand. It's good enough. It's good. It's well done. Uh, I don't think I really think of their brand so much. I don't come back and think, well, this is Pocket Cast speaking to me. I think what crosses my mind is this is functional enough. This looks well enough for me to use it. I get it. And, you know, to be honest, it's because in, in a lot of ways, I would say they ripped material off in the ways that it kind of works. Like, you know what? I, I don't say that in a mean way. Uh, here, I, okay, now that I've said that, I've got to pull it up. So that way I pocket cast. And by the way, if you guys, if you guys uh, don't have Wait. a, uh, if you don't have a, a pocket catcher and you are on, or a podcast catcher and you're on Android or iOS, this is a pretty good one. Or even the web client's good. Yeah, that's the other thing I really like about it. Uh, so, you know, here's a couple of things that jump out at me. This top bar here, that's very material design. Mm-hmm. The plus here, the dots, all this stuff, that's all yeah. the, this menu here. This is the good aspects of material design that they took. Some of the animations are like their own implement, implementation of it, too. And the couple of things they even took from material design here, uh, this, this, uh, this little hovering uh, dot, the, you know, is the plus dot and the uh, down thing. I hate that. It's too ambiguous for me, and sometimes I don't know where it's at. Anyways, but they took a lot from material design, and they just sort of essentially ripped off the best stuff, kept it, and I'm putting that in the nicest way, um, and uh, then implemented that across the web, across their Android app, and across the iOS app. And I, so I don't think of their brand so much as I just think of they, they looked at what are some of the best elements of design out there and then what can they actually deliver on as a team. And they went with it. And it's sort of like the most beautiful style of compromise, I think. It's like the most practical style. Interesting. So it sounds like your issue isn't really material design. It's designers going crazy and being like, we have animations, let's use them. It's the, it's the overdoing of it. You know, it's the... Uh, it's... Uh, let, me, let me give you another one, right? Remember when hamburger member menus first came out? Like iOS six, yes. right before before they were built in, we yeah, had to like yeah. write your own freaking yes, hamburger menu. Yes, yes. I cannot tell you. I haven't seen for about a year there. It was all hamburger menus all the time. Right, <laughs> every wireframe I got, every pitch I got was all hamburger menus. Yeah, everything goes so, in the hamburger menu. Solves all the problems. All usability problems have been solved. Right, because in, instead of just not having forty five different things this app does, let's just throw it all on a side menu and scroll. Bam. Uh, is it possible that Material's just a fad that never really caught on? Meaning that all these design things are just little trends, right? Hmm, wouldn't, no, 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 because it is slowly catching on. And it's also, and here's why it's slowly catching on, is uh, this is, and this is also the reason I don't like it, is because it's so overstated. It is attached to Google now. It is part of the Android look. It's going to be what they go forward on. This was a huge thing for them, and this is what they're going to build on top of. And it's going to, they're going to do it for a while, Mike. I think oh, they're, uh, going to, they're going to keep it. Oh, no, it. that's very true. I mean, I know I was working on a, a pretty high-profile Android app, and, yeah, they straight up have their own brand. No. Yeah, so their intention yeah. here, I think, so Google's intention is to really just keep doing this forever because it's, if you think about it, it's genius, too, because if they could just get a good chunk of apps on iOS looking like this, and they can do that on their own in a big way with their own apps because the Google app itself is extremely popular. Uh, right. Google Voice, they, they, continue, they, just, they actually just updated the Google Voice app. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, finally, for the right resolution for the iPhone 6, they just Wait, updated. What? Yeah. Because I have it, and it's still terrible. Hang on. Yeah, they just released an update. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fantastic. And uh, anyways, 
So that's my that's my roundabout way of saying um, it 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 behooves them to have a bunch of material design apps on other platforms, including Chrome OS, including iOS. I think they're going to just keep. I think it's I think it's really a brilliant strategy because you can also use a lot of these elements on the web too. Right. I just think, unfortunately, it's a little too overdone for my taste. It's uh, it's it's too in your face. It's like um, it's the glam rock of design paradigms. Really, it's like bam. It's it is exactly what it is. It is a big company's first attempt at a bold design language, and they did exactly what they, of course they did because it's their first time doing this. They overreached. They overreached, and they probably should be, they should have been a little more humble in their approach. And not Ooh. so in your face with the language. I mean, go re- uh, go read it. it. Just go Google search. Uh, oh no, I've read the material design guidelines. Yeah, it's. I mean, you can't almost be material, right? You're either there or you're not. It it's, is. It's, yeah, it's pretty firm. It's a assertive design paradigm. All right, so uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dominic, I have homework for you. Okay, so go to Instagram.com. Okay, I, I, I can do that. Wait, okay. Instagram. Yeah, and then goes to slash uh, Toe Fisher. Okay, T O P H. Ooh, wow, Jennifer Lawrence's feed. Don't know how that got up there. Hang on. Yeah. See, there it is. There's the uh, – and, I, of course, you know, because uh, it's, it's a crappy resolution. But I had to go this route because um, uh, I, oh, my Twitter API token thing is a, is a joke right now, and so I can't actually tweet from my phone. It's, it's embarrassing. Anyways, uh, so I have up on the uh, stream right now, and I'll try to remember to put this in the show notes. That's the uh, different interfaces on the one desktop, just a little shot that I can show you there. That's fantastic. Isn't that isn't that a thing? Isn't that a thing? And uh, so like awesomely synthetic and crappy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love I love the equipment, and uh, to their credit, the reason they do this is because this stuff is supposed to work and sound exactly like the equipment it emulates. Right. So you could be out in the you could have worked out in the field since the seventies, and you can sit down in front of this console and know exactly what knobs to turn. Uh, Oh, you know someone, like, spent a hell of a lot of time doing this, too, like... There's, yeah, like, you can't quite see in the picture, but there's literally, like, scratch, little etches in the metal and things like that to make it look slightly aged. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I'll try to embed that in the show notes for you guys, because, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, and it shows you... I think it just shows you uh, how it doesn't really matter how, uh, how... I mean, how would you describe Apple about this kind of thing? Extremely enthusiastic about uh, their design on their operating system, and it just doesn't really matter. Well, but Apple often, you know, they, they go really hard into a new design and they kind of pull back. Yeah, well, that's what Google's doing, I think, right now with Material. Right. And I, and I, I just don't know exactly how they pull that back, if they do it quietly over time or if it just naturally gets pulled back because people with some good taste, like people at Pocket Cast, only implement it so far. And then they kind of go, uh, you know, the old paradigm works a little better here, you know? Maybe that's actually how it ends up happening in the Android ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't undersell, though, the, the whole inertia thing on, on Android as a whole. Again, it's a void of flame war, but you just you don't see the rush to update, the rush to adopt the newness on Android, which I actually think is partially Google's fault, right? And I don't want to get into this conversation again, but, you know, iOS developer, you have an app out there. You know iOS 9 is coming out in three weeks or whenever it came out, right? So you knew you'd have some percentage of your users would be good to go day one, day two. Yeah. Android, I mean, is anybody seriously still already using Android 5 APIs? And I don't mean the new support library, right? I mean, like, brand new stuff. or And hell, Android 6 just came out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like... yeah. It, you know, it's funny because the other day I was, uh, I was covering a new Android phone on Tech Talk that's kind of compelling. 
and I was rattling off all the features. And look, it shipped with Android 5.1. And I just moved right on because it didn't click with me now that, oh, yeah, now it's 6. And so six. then so then somebody <coughs> so then somebody says, Chris, I really like, you know, they're, they're thinking about switching right. to Ting. And they say, I really like the S6. But uh, my wife and friends all have the iPhone. And I was thinking, and I have an S4 now. Should I get the S6 on Ting or should I get the iPhone 6 on Ting? And I was like, well, I have the both. And so I go into it. And then the one thing that struck me about it is – as we wrapped up the conversation, conversation, I said, oh, and I guess you should know, there's a new version of the operating system out now that's not available for that phone yet, and I don't know when you're going to get it. And he said, well, what's this, and, uh, you know, iOS 9? He's like, yeah, that's, 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 that's right. That's on the iPhone 6? I'm like, yeah, you can get that on the iPhone 6 right now. I'm like, huh. And, you know, for him, that's a feature. Like, you mean it doesn't even have a, and I was like, yeah, that, that phone doesn't even have Android 6 yet. I mean, it probably will get it. Uh, I hope soon. But you know what else is interesting is uh, this morning, because I keep getting prompted at the worst times to, I uh, you know, I have uh, this iPhone, which I have totally, completely destroyed. And I don't know if this will show up on camera. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to show it real quick. No, you, you can't see. Uh, but the complete, the complete corner has been destroyed. It's cracked all over. Uh, but it's still working. I, and so I've pretty much been using the S6 mostly, but... I have the iPhone here for because uh, that's where I have all the podcasts that I'm listening to, and um, it still makes calls, so I'm still getting some calls on it, and all of that. So it's, I still have to carry it with me, and I keep getting prompted to install iOS yeah. 9.1, and I've said no later, no later a couple of times. I'm like, geez, this thing's really aggressive about it. So yeah. this morning I said later, and it popped up and said, well, how about if you're plugged into power at 11 p.m. tonight, I just automatically install it then. And I'm like, yep. and then I said, okay. And I say, yes. And it's like, okay, well, so now you're going to need to agree to the EULA and a couple other things, pop, pop, and now it's done. And so I just thought that is actually aggressively clever. Like, and how they're like, okay, you've been delaying this for like two days, bro. How about, uh, look, two days, this is a long time in Apple land. Let's just get this thing scheduled. And so now I'm in the system settings and I can go in here and I can cance- cancel the auto install if I wanted to. But I think I'm just going to hit install now and just see what goes. I'm not, I'm not hooked up into power. I'm not hooked up to power, so... I'm feeling crazy. See what happens by the end of the show. I, do you know what this talk talk hack is? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they arrested a 15 year old, according to the chat room. Well, yeah, the hack seems like it was painfully stupid. Like it was just a uh, SQL injection, and then they got usernames and passwords and got into the uh, back end of their website. That barely counts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's wow. been it's been an embarrassing series of uh, hacks recently. John uh, Boehner, uh, no, not John Boehner. Um, can't, uh, what's the well? Anyways, there's been some. There's been a lot of different hacks and just really stupid stuff, a lot of accidental things. Uh, but you know, Mr. Dominic, there are simple. There are simple, simple solutions to all of that. You know what that is? Is it Linux Academy? It could be. It could be. But no, actually, this time I think I think this time, this time, it's fix it yourself with DigitalOcean. Go out. And oh, roll. that's right. That's right. Go out and roll your own solution. That's right. Do it. You know what? Own cloud? Put it up there yourself. Check it out for a little while. And then I'll tell you what. Sync thing. I've come back around now. Um, Mr. Dominic, are you familiar with Dropbox? I am indeed. Yeah. Now, are you familiar with how expensive Dropbox is if you want a team folder? Yeah, I am, actually. Yeah. So uh, it's unbelievable. It's like $800 a year. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. You get, you, get, you get like a few, like five shared terabytes amongst all of you, and it's like... It's eight hundred dollars for five people, and if you want to add one more person, you got to call them up and start negotiating licensing. 
So, uh, you know, that's the, the here's the problem with that is we are in media production. And by the very nature of our work, we are syncing very large files. And we need two things. We need fast transfer and we need the ability to store large files for, you know, a month or two and then discard them or sometimes long term. And so I have been sort of trying to figure out how to roll roll my own solution to solve this problem because everything out there is just really outside the scope of what we need. We don't need some of the things that Dropbox offers. We don't need to pay that price. And it's not really focused on media. So I started looking at SyncThing a few weeks ago. The first place I went was DigitalOcean. It's obvious if you want to control it yourself and have a really easy way to take snapshots before you make big changes and then roll back, if you want to have something you have complete control over that you can even control from your phone, and if you want to have something that's nice to move to another system, like another server, if you decide to need to go to a different location or make a copy of it, or one-click deploy another application on it, because really, it is super easy. Over at DigitalOcean, I've got droplets that run Minecraft. I've got droplets that run OwnCloud. I've got droplets that run SyncThing and Quasal. The list goes on and on. I've got uh, droplets that run things that are sending me tons of messages right now. It's really awesome. They're all coming in through DigitalOcean droplets. And now I've got one running SyncThing. And I started doing that to sync my own passwords that are GPG encrypted between my local systems and then one system up in the cloud. I have a dedicated droplet for that. And it's really easy to get started. You can get started in less than 55 seconds, and the pricing plans are only $5 per month. With 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer, you could easily get started with one of these systems, like Ghost or GitLab. Lots of things, especially if you start using Docker. Boy, it really gets cool. So if you wanted to roll your own syncing system, take a look at SyncThing. There are guides to get them set up on DigitalOcean, so it's really easy to get started. They have a great community. And their interface to manage your droplets is super intuitive, and power users can replicate it with their straightforward API that's really well documented. So use our promo code CODERDIGITAL when you check out, and you'll get a $10 credit. You support this show, keep us going, and you get to try out the DigitalOcean system. Coder Digital gives you a $10 credit. You can, try to, you can try to rig with no credit card required. Try SyncThing for a little bit. It's a really cool system, and there's also now some good graphical front ends. So on my desktops here in the studio, I have SyncThing GTK. And then on my droplet, I have the regular SyncThing system, which uses a web interface to manage it. It's really cool. And because my, my connection on my DigitalOcean droplet is really screaming fast, it's really fast, I get the files sent down to my system in no time. And you can kind of pick and choose and be pretty clever about where you put your droplet because they have locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany. And a brand new one in Toronto. So I went for San Francisco because here in Washington, like, like uh, it's ridiculous. Like if sometimes, like if I just want to ping something in Oregon, I still go down to San Francisco anyways. I don't, I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why. It's just really stupid. So I figure, actually, if I'm already taking the trip down to San Francisco anyways, well, might as well put the droplet there <laughs> because I'm going there anyways. So it actually works really well for transfer speed for me. Uh, and it makes for syncing large files like media production uh, really fast. And that's what's really kind of opened my eyes up. DigitalOcean is so cool. Go to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right, Mr. Dominic. Oh, okay, so... Uh, I kind of dropped a little hint bomb there, and when I said one of the platforms I think they can get away on where really keeping things all looking the same and generic is probably wearables mm-hmm. because the restrictions are there. And, you know, the restrictions are so high that I, I, I have – I now have um, – I have three watches that I have tested. I have the uh, LG Watch R, the Apple Watch, and the, or, uh, the original Pebble, and now I have the new Pebble Time Steel or whatever it's called. Been trying them all out, 
And uh, it is fascinating what they managed to get done with their limitations. And uh, I just looked down at my wrist right now, and I just realized I'm not wearing any of them. <laughs> yeah, so I have, neither am I. I've so spent a lot my, of time my, thinking about this. So I, anything you want to talk about, I'm open to. So where do you well, want to start? First of all, my Moto 360 is sitting right here, not on my wrist, and dead. So yay. Um, you know, I'm at a pivot point here, like Jared from Pied Piper. No one? Okay. I have a few watch prototype uh, for Android Wear apps ready to go just mm-hmm. out, but uh, I don't think I'm going to release them. Really? Ma- yeah, mainly because I don't think there's a lot of movement on Android Wear. Yeah. I mean, let's just take a quick trip down to the Google Play Store, shall we? And see, you know, the top Wear apps and see yeah. how much they've changed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what do you got? Let's take a look. Right. Let's, let's take a look. Let's, let's take, take a little a, journey. Let's take a journey. Let me see. I can't find them. How do you find Wear apps? Well, you have to go, uh, well, mm. in, you, in Android, you launch the Android Wear app. Yeah, but what if I'm browsing, which is the best feature of Android? Oh. oh. Wait a minute. Oh, not featured. Right. Hmm. Okay. I don't get a lot of use out of it. And I don't think anybody does. I what mean, about I the fitness stuff? Any use out of that? Do you uh, care about any of that some, stuff? But only when I go to the gym, right? I slap the watch on, go to the gym, get my, you know, get the figures, and I'm done. Um, although I could get Galaga for my Android watch, so I might, might do that. So I'll tell you, I thought the fitness stuff would be pretty good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, then I went on a road trip where I sat a lot and pretty much just blew out all my stats and just really, I don't know, I just kind of lost interest in that because, you, you know, it's, it's just a mess. Now, so, they, don't, they don't make any sense now and yeah. all my trends have been thrown off. So I kind of lost interest in that. And then there's not really – there's the only functionality I have consistently used on a wearable is – I mean, and consistently used is, uh, well, actually, there's three things, I guess. Um, <laughs> hello. Is muting or remote muting, which is actually very handy, including pausing media playback. So, like, if I'm listening to a podcast through my phone. Yes, yes, use that a lot. Yep. Yep. Uh, locating the phone, like making it ping or something like that. Uh, when I when I lost it or it slipped into the couch and I don't know which couch it slipped into, I can ping the phone. I've I've found that to be to be pretty handy. Um, and then, and then the third one actually turns out to be kind of just a, a surprise use case that works better for me with the Apple Watch than anything else. But the watch, the LG Watch Arc, should be able to do this pretty well too. It just never seemed to. Is uh, my vehicle has Bluetooth integration, but it's like really stupid Bluetooth integration where anytime I activate the microphone on the phone. It thinks I'm in an active call, and it goes into call mode, oh, and sure, like sure. it's delayed, and it causes the it causes the system not to hear me, and it misses the first few words, and then it misses the last few words, and then the system has to call ended. And so, one of the nice things is I can use the watch, and the watch microphone is independent of the phone's microphone, and I can I can use the Siri system or the OK Google system, and I can give it my command, and then it eventually executes that command on. The phone, which in most cases is navigate me to this place, and you know that's something that's kind of nice to be able to just raise my wrist and say that without having to take my eyes off the road at all. And then in a few minutes, well, in a few seconds, really, I'm now getting uh, voice nav over my Bluetooth without me ever having to look at my phone. So that's the three things that I use the watch for, and I 
I, I really don't use any apps on it other than that. Yeah, so my problem is even dumber. It died once, and I just failed to charge it for a week. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I mean, the, the Moto 360, I, I love it, but... Where it, I'm, uh, it's where, not very forgiving. Where I'm currently uh, staying at is uh, is a bit of a drive from the studio, and right. uh, it gets dark early here. So I'm like, I think I'm going to crash at the studio tonight because I have to do some shows early tomorrow morning. And I'm like, well, maybe I will just sleep here. Okay, so I get everything, and I'm, I'm getting in the truck, and I'm like, oh, okay, oh, I don't have the watch charger. Don't care, and I just kept on going. Like, doesn't really matter. It's gonna be fine. I can yeah. go a day without that watch. I absolutely, completely cannot go a day without the phone. Phones like yeah, a, no, phone, you forget I, it, you I, go I, back for it. You forget it, you turn around. Yeah, yeah, you take the next exit and you turn around. Yeah. So does that mean it's never gonna go anywhere? You know, I don't know. I mean, is it a matter of not enough resources? I'll tell you where the. I tell you where the. Okay, so let's take the take the watch. And now give it GPS and full LTE connectivity. So you don't need the phone at all. Now all of a sudden, you, aren't you going to want tons of the versions of apps you have on your phone available on your watch? Isn't the core problem with the watch that you have to have connectivity back to the phone? And if you could have, if you could have a full podcast player on your watch, if you could have a full Spotify client or uh, well, you know, whatever, Beats or what, I don't care, whatever you kids use. You know, if you could have a full-fledged messaging client, like a full-on Telegram client, uh, or Skype even, or whatever the hell, WhatsApp, no phone required, then all of a sudden, my watch just became a hell of a lot more useful. At the same time, I don't want to pay a separate data fee for that, and most people are in some sort of contract plan where they're going to have to actually go get in some sort of monthly plan in order to have LTE connectivity on their watch, which is ridiculous. Uh, so I just, I don't, I don't know if I see it unless those things can be completely self-independent. And the battery and CPU and, and chipset required to do that has got to be way up more off than what we think because I've seen some of the Samsung watches that do it, and it's not that impressive yet. Yeah, so I've been um, you know, re- really thinking a lot about this. Um, you know, I got Sherlock with my little golfing. Thanks again, Google. Uh, but even then, right, the... The problem with, and this may be because I'm just using a first-gen Moto 360, so maybe you can tell me that newer watches are better. Anytime I actually use it, the battery just goes, right? Because ideally, what I, what I think you would want with a wearable is... Yeah, it, you, it does get better. Um, as you go up market? Yeah, it does a little bit. Okay. Like the LG Watch R, I get uh, a day and a half. And that's even, and I get it. I get a good solid day if I even use the always on screen. So it's always on, literally. Um, so it's better on there. And uh, you know, the Apple Watch, I legitimately go two days without charging. Uh, so it's better there. And then okay. the same with the Pebble. Pebble Watch is really good too. I, everybody's so you're like, just saying that my particular Android Wear watch is terrible. Basically. Well, it's it's not the worst. I think there's probably uh, I think there's some Samsungs that get about that too. But yeah, right. Okay, so that's possible, right? Me. But then my next question would be, okay, so first of all, what's the market penetration of Android Wear? Not great. You know, right. uh, Tanjutsum in the uh, Tanjutsum in the chat room makes a really super important point. He says, I have a Pebble, and even the notifications are a poor experience. Phone buzzes in pocket and then on my wrist. And I want to just stop yeah. there for a second. So not only that, so uh, it kind of so especially on the Pebble, uh, the phone gets the notification first, and so you always hear about it. And then the Pebble is just like a nuisance. Like I already know, I already know. Watch. Now, in the Apple in the Apple scenario, 
the, uh, one of the things, and I don't know exactly how this works, but sometimes my watch will bust or will wrist, well, it'll, it'll, it'll buzz or ding on its own, and the screen doesn't even light up or vibrate on the iPhone. Like, nothing happens on the iPhone at all, like, which in some way is actually kind of nice because that preserves battery life on the phone because it's not firing up the screen to show the notification because it knows that I'm connected to my watch and it knows that the watch is on me because the, the Apple Watch is aware of when it's on you or off you. And it it just it's like okay you're getting a notification there I don't need to give you a notification over here it's more intelligent about that and the other nice thing about the Apple Watch versus the Pebble or the LG Watch R is and this is both versions of the Pebble is the Apple Watch has a legitimate vibe in it that is actually really quite pleasant it doesn't feel cheap you know it's not it's not like a, like right. when I have my Pebble when I have my Pebble in my cup holder of my truck. And it vibrates like it's like it sounds like it's you know it's just this really crazy sound and it, I don't know really how to describe it but that that also bothers me because not only is it late but it's like this cheap kind of feel to it too uh, so it's just so I, I really never, just kind of a disappointment. I have never seen a Pebble watch in the wild. Oh, I have. There's plenty of conferences and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, here's I, actually you know, you know what, and here I want to I want to take a second and I want to defend Pebble. Because yep. I actually think in some ways, and that's why I was a little disappointed to see the Pebble Round, because the Pebble Round is kind of going away from this. Pebble with the, uh, with the black and white screen, or now they have color, but with the, uh, with the, with the reduced battery life screen and, and their approach, you get, a longer, you get a longer battery life. They have a couple of physical buttons that are nice to have consistently. And it's sort of it sort of embraces the best of a limited platform because it is it is so limited in the way that it is. What it does is is more refined, and it's better at it. So if you just accept the fact that these are fancier ways to tell time and not revolutionary computing platforms, if they, if you if you throw out that idea and say this is just a better watch, a watch that does more, I actually think the Pebble's ground up approach is way at, way more applicable to the device usage. A couple of reasons for that. To be honest with you, I'm not even that active of a person, and all of a sudden it like became extremely inconvenient to have watches that were not quite safe to take underwater because summertime came around. Turns out I want to go swimming, but I don't want to lose my health stats and stuff like that if I'm trying to track all that crap. Well, Pebble Watch is great for that. Turns out no problem. If I want to go camping and I don't want to bring a charger or I don't have power, turns out Pebble Watch, great for that. If I want to just go a few days without having to think about it, Pebble Watch is good for that. If I just want something that all they can really do is dismiss notifications anyways because no apps actually do decent jobs of implementing their version of the app on the watch and really all you get to do with all these things is just dismiss notifications, well, guess what? Pebble's got a dedicated button for that. So that's pretty much what I use it for. And then at the end of the day, I need something with a mic. Well, the new Pebble's got that, so that's not bad. So it really kind of che- and it has decent battery life. It has decent performance. It checks all the boxes, and it, it costs the le- it costs well not the le- least. I think you can get I think you can get some Android Wear watches for cheaper now, but it costs it you know a very reasonable amount. It always has. I just don't think they're going in a good direction. I think they're losing their way. But I think what I like about the Pebble Watch the most is it embraces the limitations of being an actual watch. And and here's another nice thing: it actually always displays the time. Right, but at that point, wouldn't I just get a watch? I mean, here's the thing: I, I'm ex- maybe we're looking for different things in this. Then I'm expecting, you know, like if we're, if I'm going to launch a wearables app, right? Because that's really what we're talking about here. You know, it's got to somehow be able to cleanly take advantage of the fact that one, it's a watch, right? So it's on your body. 
10, 14 hours a day. So part of that means it needs to be alive for 14 hours. Um, and I get the Pebble has, you know, better, you know, better battery, you know, better yeah, battery Yeah, but they're new. I think their new round one doesn't actually, the one that they're, they're now the new one they're promoting. Well, my other point would be like, you know, I can't really see the benefit as a developer in jumping all on Pebble when I see I, Apple Watch and, yeah. and, and you know, to, to be honest, uh, Watch OS, right, Apple Watch seems to be the safest bet, but it's also extremely limited. And I think you can do some still some really interesting things are possible on Android Wear. But, you know, it's almost the same thing with the Android phones. The APIs are very interesting. Google's philosophy gives you a lot of latitude. But the hardware just isn't there. And, of course, there is good hardware. But, you know, my crappy old Gen 1 Moto 360 that I'm holding now is still super rare, right? People just don't have these. So you're saying that, you know, some of the issues I'm saying would be less on newer, greater devices. How rare are those, right? How many people have it? And even if they do, you know, you make a great point. I used to, I love to listen to Pocket Cats on my Wear Watch. Well, everything goes to hell if I walk out of range of my phone. Mm-hmm. And the Wi Fi stuff never works if they even if that watch it which, worked. Yeah, it, it works, but it kicks out and then things pause and I have to yeah. stop what I'm doing. Or if you have one watch that for some reason, even though it has a Wi Fi chip in it, didn't get the update that gives it Wi Fi capability right. like mine. You know. I really, really feel like if you're going to develop software for wearables, the hardware you're targeting needs to last the entire day. And you need to be able to get really interesting metrics out of it. Um, you know, I have not found the, and I can't really speak for watchOS because I haven't done a lot with that yet, but on Android Wear, I haven't found the, uh, you know, the instruments that return data on the on the person, right? The guy wearing the watch, mm-hmm. remember him? The yeah. user? yeah to be terribly consistent. Oh. Now, this could be a hardware thing. That's yeah. why I'm asking you about yours. It could be that I do have what is effectively a first generation. You know, I got it for like 70 or 50 bucks or whatever it cost me. It was super cheap. I bought it. It was already old. But does that mean we're in another case of you can develop great software for, again, Google Android, but you're going to be reliant on your users to hopefully upgrade on their own? Which and, really means buy new hardware and buy the right hardware. The stuff that's you know because the the uh, the thing that scares me about Android Wear is it seems like if it could really drive down to the really cheap like crappy giveaway type watches and things like that that could just be real junk. Well, you know, Fossil's now coming out with Android Wear watches. The Fossil Watch Company. I have a Fossil Watch myself, like a traditional watch. But do I think Fossil's going to update the software on their Android Wear watches? Well, I guess it follows. Now Google's doing this a little differently, right? This time around, they're playing this. They're playing this game just a little slightly smarter when it comes to what they're allowing the OEMs to do. So they might be able to reliably push down updates for a while. But do, how do do you know that? I mean, I don't know. No, I don't. Because my understanding is that the hardware manufacturers can still do their own customizations. See, I suppose it really doesn't if it's so here's the thing is it ambiguous yes it's ambiguous we don't know so and is it ambiguous with the apple watch no it is not is it ambiguous with the pebble no not really it is kind of with android where you're right we don't really know right even if people i mean there probably are some people but i just it's complicated that makes me uncomfortable actually right and and, and the th- other aspect of this and i'll get off because i know this has probably been an android heavy show um 
How dare you? And we need to go anyway. Are we, dare I say it, are we recreating the Android fragmentation with a capital F problem on watch? But but in a different form, instead of it just being like OS versions, you know, you you kind of slyly made the assertion that my watch is just kind of crappy, <laughs> right? Like, what do you mean? No. Well, yes, right, because I can't get the day-long battery life that I need. I can't. I think it's just a symptom of uh, of an early generation of the pro- – it's an early – it was an early generation of Android wear. Mm, I'm Moto- hoping you're right. Moto 360. Well, I'm not, I'm not here to say it's gotten a lot better. Right. That's the problem. I mean, I'm looking, you know, where are these marquee Android wear apps? Although, on the same token, where are the marquee Apple Watch apps? Can you name five? No, I, I've never even, you know, there's, it, it, like, it's only, only the built-in stuff, really. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's, you know, and I'll even put the last thing, and then we can go. Can you name any apps that are driven by, primarily by their wearable experience, not where the wearable is just a more convenient notification hub? No. For the phone app. No, I mean, I could see some in the future, but I don't know of any right now. Maybe there are some. Maybe people could let us know. Because it sounds like you're about ready to pull the plug on something. Yes, I'm afraid this one's not making it out of the matrix. I'd like to know what people think. I, I don't know. Uh, all right, well, let me tell you about before we go. And actually, I wanted to get a, uh, one, uh, at least one bit of uh, feedback. Go here. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so first, I'll tell you about Linux Academy. In fact, go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go give them a visit, linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go take a look because they've just rolled out a ton of great new features, especially some systems that if you have trouble taking exams or you want to know if you want to know if you're doing something and get immediate feedback. So I, you know, in other words, go through the process and get immediate feedback when you're making the wrong, the wrong choice. Make a mistake and not have to wait for the results. They've got some really cool stuff I want you to check out. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Then go click around. Linux Academy is a system built around Linux and all of the great platforms around Linux. A lot of stuff that moving forward I think is probably going to become essential technologies, really kind of has become essential technologies, which has kind of been fascinating since Linux Academy has been a sponsor, watching how fundamental more and more of this stuff has become. Things like containers, things like Linux and Nginx, things things like ZFS. Python, Ruby, all of this stuff that really is just now essential stuff that you just need a great place you can trust to go to. Not a place that is just a one-fix solution for everything where they just have all these courses and they, this is a checkbox we check. Yeah, this is a checkbox. But a place that's really enthusiastic and passionate about this, constantly evolving the platform, making it better and better, especially for the type of students that this platform caters to. All HTML5 players, a great new CDN to make sure the content distributes fast, downloadable comprehensive study guides you can listen to on your own, the self-paced courses that come with instructor help when you need it, over 1,900 videos. That is, a, that is an incredible resource and asset. Scenario-based labs, when you go in there too, you choose the Linux distribution you want, 7 plus distros to choose from. It automatically adjusts the courseware and the, and the virtual machines that they spin up. Same distro. All matches across the board. Really cool too if you're moving between distros. What a great way to just sort of refresh your skill set and jump right in. When you work in their lab environments, you go through scenarios from beginning to end. And these environments are on, la- on la- these are live servers, so you can go try out your work and see what it's really like to work with the technology and the software so that when you go do it in production, it's not your first time. And I think it's a big deal. I want to underscore the fact that they have instructor help available. So you're not just off on your own. And they have a community that's stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members to help you along. 
linuxacademy.com slash coders is constantly getting better. They've got great new features they're rolling out. I'd love for you to go check them out. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Now, we do have a little love for Android today. Thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring this episode. But we're going to now transition to the love portion of the Coder Radio program. And that brings us over to the Buccaneer Tech blog, buccaneer.io, and a pro tip by one Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello again, Mr. Fisher. <laughs> I the there, sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have a pro tip. Now, you know, people have been complaining about not enough code. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, so what do we got here? Some code? So do you know... Zoom and enhance. ...that Android uses the excellent Gradle build system? Well, I am somewhat familiar with this, yes. And right. I know that it, it makes it uh, fairly, uh, fairly flexible. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you. let's... So one of the really common things you want to do is, right, I need to know, is this a debug or a release build? Because you might want to change an API endpoint. You might want to change uh, if you do some additional tracking. If you return, you know, one common thing is maybe you put up a toast message, right, using the toast notification system in debug but not, a, not release. Okay. Well, using the build config class and the, Gradle, uh, the doc Gradle file for your APK, you can actually do that. Pretty simple. Hmm. If build.debug, bam, else, bam. Oh, that is, that is surprisingly refreshingly straightforward. <laughs> That's it. That's, let's see, the way I write one, two, three, four, five lines of code, and you're done. And it's really just one if else. Well, there you go. And uh, we actually have a link right there to it, too. We have a link right there, but we can get a little fancier. Okay. This isn't, now, I'd, I'd say, you know, if you want to really see this out, go to buccaneer.io. Um, it's the most recent post. It's great. You know, just check it out. There's code. It's nicely formatted. You can also set custom variables yeah. in your uh, in your dot Gradle file. Now, let's talk about a scenario you might have, Chris. Maybe you're uh, you're trendy. You're reaching over the ocean to the great land of China. Ooh, that sounds like something I would do. But you know. Maybe you know the Android localization stuff. Just yeah, it's just not doing it for you, Chris. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you want a totally different binary for China. That sounds. Plus, it's got to be rooted for the Chinese government. Uh, I'm with we you. So we were so close to positivity. No, I was with you. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, maybe for instance, you're going on one of these funny third-party Chinese app stores, and you want a different APK. Right. Oops. Maybe you're worried your APK will get cracked. Maybe for some reason you have one APK for the Amazon store and you have one APK for the Play Store. I don't know. You could, right? I'm you not going to judge. Like I, could, uh, but I could definitely see you'd want one for an internal distribution, one for external distribution or something like that. And maybe you need to set, oh, I don't know, you know, due to crazy laws, crazy import laws, maybe you're making a game, right? Did you know in China in video games you cannot show skeletons? What? No. Yeah, you can't. No, you really can't. Or you used to not be able to. I don't know if it's still true. <laughs> that's, that's a Just funny go thing. with me, all right? Okay, with I'm with you. In the build gradle for the Chinese-only APK, you could put a debug, a string, but let's just go to debug. I'm a Boolean kind of guy, right? I'm sorry, a Boolean. I could say, is China? Sure. And only that build of the APK would have that set to true. Mm. And in your code, let's say you're doing a game, mm-hmm. you can switch... You, let's, you know, a sprite-based game. I'm sure we all know how this works, right? You have yeah. sprite sheets. Right. Switch the sprite sheets for China yeah. to put flesh on your skeletons. Or bananas you, or something. Or chapped... Ne, never mind. <laughs> ooh, 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 we're going to go over assless chaps, but I don't know about that. Uh, Easy. This, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't need anything crazy. It is one line in your build.gradle. Let's scroll down here. It is just build config, quote, boolean, 
comma, some var, whatever your var is, comma, whatever, if it's true or false. That's it. I love that. And if, if it doesn't exist, it's always false. Hmm. Done. This wasn't an impressive segment. This was just easy, save you a lot of time. I know my Chinese skeleton example is a little lame, but I'm sure if you're an Android developer, you probably have some use for this. If you're just learning Android, I hope it helps. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually kind of like it. I think it's pretty straightforward. And not only that, well documented up on the uh, Buccaneer.io. That's pretty Thank handy. You. That's pretty handy. You know, you might get with some of that. You might get some Google juice too. You never know. <laughs> Love the Google Juice. You yeah, and I, you know, I plan to do this at least twice a month now. We're going to have little pro tips. Very simple. We're not trying to show off. We're not trying to impress people. But little things that might make, you know, because you could see, Chris, how if you didn't have this ability using the .gradle file to just set these variables, you could get some pretty convoluted code, right? You could get some pretty annoying stuff you're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that. This is nice and simple and straightforward. Yeah, straightforward. Uh, coderadio.reddit.com if you want to submit your own. Okay, Mr. Dominic, our uh, first, are you? I mean, I'm going to jump right into the feedback because I think it's, I think it's only appropriate. I right, pick your favorite one, and we will do just All right. one. Okay. All right, my, my favorite one can you know I don't think he's here today, unfortunately, because we need we could use help with titles. But our first one comes in from Mr. JB Hawk of Truth, <laughs> and uh, he had a Coder Radio follow up. He says, Mike, the competition for the standalone Im- indie app market is fierce, where one man shops and hobbyists have the lowest operating costs. Especially if their uh, if their or their spouse is uh, has a nine to five income that can subsidize some of the costs. Hard to compete unless your app is so large just beyond their capacity. Apps on that scale are really enterprise focused, and there's still a great margin in the enterprise space, whereby the mobile app is part of a larger product that a business would buy. Expenses and travel systems are the two obvious ones. Check out staffing agencies. Mobile devs are a premium with nice twelve to eighteen month contracts. Those positions don't seem to uh, come with some uh, the same credential prejudices that uh, uh, as the as some of the back end developer positions do. It'll be interesting to see if Marco continues the uh, patronage model. I wonder if there's another workable business model out there. The Kickstarted features the app internally lists upcoming uh, or uh, sought after features with a dollar amount that will tip it. Customers get to prioritize things they need or want to see the direct value. Cheers, JB Hawk of Truth. So, Mr. Dominic, something I want to pull out, it's interesting that he mentions, he's totally right about the gap uh, there in the budget. He talks about where standalone indie app and market is fierce, where one-man shops and hobbyists uh, have the lowest operating costs, especially if they have a spouse with a 9-to-5 income, and then there's a gap up to enterprise. But what I wanted to talk about, he talks about kickstarted features uh, and an app list that internally lists, out, uh, that always lists upcoming or sought-after features with a dollar amount. What do you think of the bounty source sort of uh, it, it perpetual, like, this feature will cost this amount? You know, didn't didn't open source try that, right? Remember GitTip? I do, yeah. GitTip is one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a huge believer there, in all Well, there was it. also the, what was the other tip one that was going on for a while that came out? Uh, shoot. I don't remember. There were, there were, there's been a few, though, right? Yeah, it started with an F. I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally flare or something, I think. Um, and then, and then there's also still uh, there's still actively bounty source, you know, where right. where there's uh, there are some some large projects on here, like including Facebook has some projects on here, uh, Elementary OS has projects on here, IBM has some projects on here, and OwnCloud has projects on here, and they have uh, bounty sources. Do you think this is doable? Or do you think uh, do you think it's reasonable? Is it or does it sort of lock you down too much into a certain design path, a certain feature path too? You know what I mean? Like it sort of locks you down if, if you know you, you have to I, put I have, out there what the features are A and B. If people pay for it, they kind of have to do it. 
Right, and my my other thing is one. You know, are you? You know, I really don't believe in the whole donation model as as a general thing, and isn't this just doing a donation a donation model without? I I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like something that is going to work for a wide group of people, right? For, yeah. the, for the vast majority. And the other thing is, is okay, here's the other problem. What happens two years down the road or a year down the road when the app becomes feature complete because people you know, been jumping on, jumping on, and now the biggest and most boldest feature is compatibility update for OS updates and platform changes and compatibility updates or security fixes. And these are just not super sexy, going to generate a lot of money kind of uh, bounties. Well, and a major update of the OS comes out and you have to do like, you know, 40, 50 man hours of work to to stay compatible. Is anyone going to pay you for that? Or aren't you just back in the old, I have to charge enough from my users to, you know, sustain this? Yeah, exactly. That to me seems to be... I mean, I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I, you know, there are business models from software that make sense. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of targeting enterprise. Something I'm actively thinking about, but I kind of, you know, any engine. We don't want to hammer on this. We talk about this a lot, but my thinking has sort of evolved. When when you're if you have to make a decision between, you know, three fifty and five dollars, you're probably having the wrong conversation, right? And the chat room has a great point. Yeah, no one would pay you to update to iOS nine, right? Because you have to do that anyway. So really, you have to have a sound business model to begin with. And just kind of, you know, there's a great line I heard somewhere called the running up the Apple treadmill. And I this isn't just for iOS apps, but it came to my No, because I was even thinking, like, you know, Linux updates, like the desktop right. updates, and you have to update. Ubuntu 15 whatever is coming out soon, right? It's 15.10, right? Yeah. Just okay. came out. Just reviewed that on Sunday. Not bad. How about two years ago when Unity came out? And how much of a wreck was that if you wanted to, you know? Are you I mean, sure? Right? Yeah. You're, your GTK app is compatible, but don't you want to be like spiffy and new? If you want to be hip. Right. Which is, to be honest, one of the reasons I, I keep pulling the plug on these projects is I don't want to do vaporware, right? I don't, I don't want to throw something out there and like not have a roadmap for it. Yeah. What's, what's the long-term plan here? Is this going to be something that when it's taking my time, it's going to also be giving me enough to make it sustainable or is it just going to be taking my time? Right. Having said that, something does have to ship at some point. Just saying. So yeah, <laughs> yeah there is that too. All right, Mr. Dominic. Yeah. Well, it is time for us to ship along. It is indeed. Uh, so here's what I got. I got uh, pro tips over for the uh, folks. I want them to visit coderadio.reddit.com. They can submit topics or feedback for episode 176, coderadio.reddit.com. Or you can email us, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Coder Radio from the drop down. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send people throughout the week? Uh, go to Buckner.io. There's a great pro tip for Android devs. There you go. Oh, yeah, we had a pro tip. Yes. We have that linked in the show notes as well, uh, as well as all, my picture of the skeuomorphic design. It's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, JupiterBroadcasting.com for those. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live time. We stream at JBLive.tv Mondays at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Code Radio. See you right back here next week.